to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. It's a bye week, but uh, we we do not take these weeks off. Uh, This is your audio source for Michigan football, basketball, recruiting, other stuff revolving everything that you see on our site, michigan.247sports.com. If you want to read stories that maybe we reference or just read more of what we have to say, we have tons of stories coming out even during the bye week. Be sure to check that out. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz and Isaiah Hole are on the phone lines with me. We'll be doing this podcast for, for a few months now, having a good time. And this week, because it is a bye week, might be a little bit shorter. We aren't going to be previewing a team at the end like we normally do. Uh, we opened up the questions. We're going to take a couple more than we normally do. We also do have some topics because you know Michigan football might not play this week, but they certainly have a lot of news and other things around them uh, that are worth discussing. So let's get started. First, uh, as we as we like to do, although we'll try to keep them shorter than we did last week, we like to start with some off-topic questions. This one comes from Jay Schwartz, who is the second post. So shout out to Jay Schwartz. It says, favorite bi-week beer. I imagine Steve settles into a hearty IPA for beautiful fall bye week Interested to hear from Zach and Isaiah. We, we get a lot of beer questions, I feel like. And not, not that we mind, but like, I'm not sure that my beer tastes differ between the bye week and, and regular weeks. I'm also not really a beer specific person. I mean, I like, I like PBR. I like, I like beer in general. I'm not, I'm not going to be too picky. Uh, Isaiah, we, we know that you, you don't drink. So no. sorry. Sorry, Jay Schwartz. Kind of a, kind of a rough answer here, but Steve, uh, anything, anything from you? No, not really. I, I just, uh, I don't know more of a stout, been more stouts lately. Uh, IPAs seem to kind of give me some massive headaches, even if I only have a couple. So I've actually kind of shifted away from IPAs recently. Definitely more of a stout porter kind of guy. Pumpkin beer season's coming up too, so that's kind of exciting. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so sorry, Jay Schwartz. I, no, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot, a cigar. lot of different, oh, you know, a lot of different types, but nothing like. There's not really one specific, I guess, that I'm like. Right. You know. So appreciate the question, Isaiah. Did you want to weigh in on? Yeah, I said I, I settle into a cigar, not okay. really the beer because of that. So uh, right. for for those aficionados out there, lately I've been settling into uh, a nice uh, Alec Bradley uh, Black Market uh, Toro. That's been that's been my go-to lately. So not exactly a beer, but it's the best I can do right okay. now. There we go. So another question. This one comes from Alex Hinton, Al Hinton 23, asks, how are you spending improvement week? If watching football, any games that you have your eyes on, I can go first. It's pretty simple. I mean, I'm still we're still writing. You know, we don't we don't take we don't take the week off per se. We might might lighten our load. Uh, I've gotten more sleep, been running more, cleaned my room. Not that those are like that thrilling things. Uh, I'll be running a 5K this weekend, so that'll be fun. Hopefully, enjoying some sunshine too. That's that's what I've got on the agenda. But obviously, with Michigan State, it's not like it's not like you can totally coast. Like that's a that's a you know. A lot of people want to read a lot about Michigan football right now. Steve, are you doing anything special in the bye week? No, I definitely lightened the load a little bit. Uh, yours is really exciting, by the way, Zach. Cleaning your room, like that's exciting stuff, man. Way it's to been go! Been a while. <laughs> yeah, drawing that subscriber um, base. Yeah, that's yeah. that's nice, man. Um, no, we have like a co-ed, like a stupid wedding shower tomorrow. Like you know how the in the quest to have as many. People have as many showers as possible uh, before a wedding. We are slated to attend a co-ed wedding shower tomorrow, which just means another gift for 
this wedding, another gift for another wedding. So uh, not really exciting. I probably won't be watching any football, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, with the Lions play on Sunday, which obviously I'll be watching that. But college football-wise, probably just take the week off. Isaiah, what about you? I I actually did essentially take the last few days mostly off, save for some preparation for uh, yeah for, for later in the week here, or I guess early next week. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know because you know it's, we've we've been going pretty hard for a while, so I, much like you, a, a bit extra sleep. I picked up a uh, decided on a whim this morning to pick up a one of those little mini Super Nintendos that came out that everyone said wasn't going to be available. I rolled up to GameStop uh, about a, a minute before they opened and got one. No big deal. Nice. I'll probably do that a little bit, have a, have a first date with uh, with a lady tonight. Other than that, just going to be <laughs> settling in and uh, watching as many football games tomorrow because on football Saturdays, I only get to watch Michigan. I never get to see any other games. So I'm um, going to watch as many games as possible, bringing over a second TV and my Apple TV to my friend's house and, we're gonna we're gonna stream you know stream games on one and watch uh, have the other one set up so it's gonna be some aggressive football watching. Yeah. As far as uh, by the way, calling me out for cleaning my room. That's that's what improvement week is all about. Is improving in some way. So I will not apologize. My my running got better too. Uh, I'll probably watch the like the big night games. I don't know. It's not. Who plays tomorrow? I don't even know who plays tomorrow. Clemson, right now. Virginia Tech, Michigan State, uh, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota will be interesting just from a Big Ten standpoint. I don't think so. Maryland's down to their third quarterback. Well, they technically their fourth quarterback, out. Caleb Henderson, is out too. Oh, but, he is. Uh, um, is it Max Bortenschlager? Yeah, then? yeah. Nice. No, I mean, yeah. but but it'll be interesting to see like just how good Minnesota is and true. And Maryland, I mean, their their quarterback was never a strength of theirs. Um, so we'll see how they how they respond. Anyway, I might watch them. I don't think I'm gonna you know make a make a big deal out of it. We certainly, but we'll certainly be back with with a lot of football insight next week. We also have some stuff right now. We have other questions. We'll we'll get the basketball one out of the way. Justin Sane eight one two asks, do you see it as a very likely outcome? We close with Noah Locke and and Castleton, uh, who's a who's a center recruit. Also asked um, about R.J. Barrett. That ship sailed since he asked. So not a bad question, but but not uh, not what we're looking for. As far as Noah Locke and Colin Castleton, that's probably the ideal scenario if you're Michigan. I mean, if you can close out a class, and I assume I assume they would do only do that if uh, Taylor Curry reclassified to 2019. But if you have DeJulius as a point guard, Locke as a shooting guard, Brzezikis as the three, Brandon Johns as the four, and Castleton as the five. That's a really, really good class. I, I don't know if if it's actually going to happen because, you know, with Castleton, Illinois really, really wants him. He's, like, number one on their board. He's been number one on their board for a long time. Michigan's kind of just the swoop in at the last second and say, oh, you know, we're, we're actually interested if you are. Similar with Locke, it seems like Providence has the spots and the minutes to give. Uh, that said, Michigan recruiting, I mean, I know Beeline often gets a bad rap for his recruiting style. Uh, this week's news probably helped his his PR in that sense and that, you know, things actually are happening. Uh, you know, Beeline every year lands on that cleanest, cleanest coach list and has a recruiting class outside of the top 20. So... We'll see how it all unfolds, but and also, you know, 
I don't know if it's they picked their targets more wisely or if Sadie Washington and and now Luke Yaklich and DeAndre Haynes were that had that much of an impact or if Michigan's just learning. They seem to be doing a lot better in this class as far as, you know, getting guys that they want. I mean, Brzezikas was a big win. You know, he's a top 50 kid. I think, you know, there were tons of, you know, they were early on him, but there were tons of other schools swirling. I think it's a battle Michigan might have lost in past seasons, but um, I, th- I think that they really pitched this class as a potential, you know, game-changing class, and it would be. If they got Locke and Castleton, that's probably a top-10 recruiting class. That's probably on par with the 2012 class, you know, if you really break it down. Um, who knows if they'll have that kind of result, but Michigan is in a good spot in that they their backup plans, if they if they want backup plans, are actually not that bad. You know, Adrian Nunez, uh, I'm not sure about Taylor Horton Tucker. He might have been a pre-Brisdikas commitment visit, but, you know, between Adrian Nunez, uh, Taylor Curry keeping him in the 2018 class, you know, if, if, if things go wrong, I still think they're in a good position. They've got, you know, Brandon Johnson, Brisdikas are, are real gamers. We've liked DeJulius. I know some scouts are not as not as high in him, but I think Castleton seems a little more likely to me just because of how quickly it all happened. I mean, Beeline visited him visited him last Wednesday, and by Friday he had eliminated three other schools that he had visited, or was four other schools he had visited or was going to visit, and said Illinois and Michigan are the two. So I think if Michigan gets its ducks in a row and, and delivers an offer, I would expect him to commit personally. Uh, Noah Locke will be a little bit trickier, but I think I think if they emphasize that you know they they will have room because they'll be over the they're they're at the scholarship limit now, but I think if they emphasize that he is a priority, I could see him committing as well. But I would put Castleton as more likely personally. Anyway, we got a uh, got other recruiting questions. This one comes from Big House 48. This one's for Steve. Uh, what is the likelihood that we land Josh Job? Is well, we talked about Emil Ekior last week, but uh, I guess regarding Job and maybe other defensive linemen Michigan is targeting in 20, 2018. Steve, any news on that? Yeah, not really. Uh, Michigan's going to be at Cheshire Academy today to watch him. Uh, his team's actually on the road, but uh, they'll be there to watch him. I know they'll stop by Cheshire Academy as well. Uh, it's one of those things where it's, again, this is kind of static right now. He hasn't taken his official yet. Michigan, Alabama my, are trying to flip him from Miami. Uh, I think the longer this goes on, where he's showing legit interest in both those programs, I think the better shot there is that he flips. And again, the Cheshire Academy deal is like a very big one for Michigan. Uh, Don Brown is so well-renowned in that area. I think it gives Michigan their best chance possible to flip him from the Hurricanes. That being said, though, I mean, he's visited Alabama like three or four times, uh, and he has not been on Michigan's campus yet. So that's kind of one of the things, you know, one of those types of, Alabama type races that seem to pop up every cycle. They'd, Alabama just seems to win those. Uh, but that being said, though, I think Michigan's got a lot of things going in their favor. It'll just be a matter of uh, maybe finishing the deal. Okay. Is there any anything any updates on other offensive linemen? I know they've got a couple in 2018. I said defensive linemen when I asked the question. I I misread the I misread that. But any anything else on offensive linemen to know right now? I know we'll have a lot more recruiting next week when we hear or find out you know who's actually going to visit for the michigan state game and things like that but uh any rumblings you've heard 
No, no, no. I mean, it's, again, it's a lot of the same guys. Uh, we reported on Jalen Goss is a name that uh, out of Georgia is a guy that we kind of had our eyes on. He's looking to take his official visit for the Ohio State game. Um, they're still in on Nick Frayer, uh Nick Little Brother, as I like to call him. The five-star, he's the number one tackle in the country, according to our rankings. Uh, Michigan's really making a push there, trying hard to get in there. Good news in that regard is that he still seems pretty wide open. So uh, Garrett Rivas, former Michigan kickers and assistant coach at Berkeley oh, Prep. Okay. So there's a little bit of a connection there. But, I mean, Berkeley Prep's a school they've recruited anyway. Jacob Mathis, uh, a tight end a few cycles ago they were really interested in. So besides that, it's the same guys. You know, go to our targets page. I don't know what's going on with Daniel Falele. I don't know if they're still in on that one or not. I, I kind of don't feel like they are. Hmm. Um, okay. He's the really, really big guy, right? Yeah, just really, really raw. But, you know, you have Ryan Hayes. You have Jalen Mayfield. They're both pretty raw, too, I think, as far as college level goes. You know, but they've been dropping their lines in the water. I know a user asked about uh, Cade Mays, the five-star from Tennessee, who's committed to Tennessee. Uh, not your typical situation where, you know, Tennessee doesn't look like they're playing good football right now. Butch Jones probably in trouble there. Uh, but Mays is a Tennessee legacy. So I think he's the type of kid that's probably going to stick with the Vols regardless. Okay. Um, I guess if you're him, like, they're probably hire a better coach, right? That's kind of one of the weird things, like, uh, you know, but being a legacy, I assume that he'll end up sticking with the Vols. But, no, besides that, it's pretty much the same dudes that we've been talking about for months now, except, like I said, I'd add Jalen Goff. Uh, I know Michigan's evaluating Notre Dame commitment John Dirksen. I don't really know if any – I don't think anything's going to happen there, but that's a name that I know they've been evaluating. But, uh, yeah, I think one more – if they got, like, a petite frere, again, not like a – not gauging their chances as great by any means, but if they got him, they'd be done. But uh, you know, we'll just have to see. I think it would, I think tackle would be the the way to go, though. Uh, I think if they do take another offensive lineman, it will be another tackle. Okay, all right. Well, there's the recruiting update. As we said, we'll have more next week, but we can head back to football because this is you know I know some people roll their eyes when Michigan calls their bye week improvement week, but there is there is something to it. I mean, you can you can rest and and recover. Uh, but it's also a good opportunity to actually kind of go back to a training camp atmosphere where you're teaching fundamentals, you're implementing maybe more plays. You're not focused on winning the matchup ahead of you. You're actually focused on, you know, getting developing talent and getting better as a team. So it's a good opportunity for Michigan. And BVA Neck asks us, which players do you think the bye week will be most beneficial for? And so Isaiah, we'll get you get you back on by the way he does have he's had some wind uh uh ambient so far but uh player that you that you've got circled as maybe this is this is a big two weeks for them uh in establishing how they're going to be the rest of the season uh i would i would have to say you know the the right side of that offensive line particularly as, as well as the running backs and pass protection i'm sure some will talk about more going forward but that's that that's been the biggest problem area, in my opinion, of this uh, this entire team. It's something that they need to get shored up. They've let the Michigan uh, made the Michigan offense let the other team look like the Michigan defense as far as as much as they've been able to get into the into the offensive backfield. So it I, I'd say just unit wide, just trying to trying to shore up that pass protection and trying to make sure that they are putting themselves in a position where they can actually succeed in the passing game. Uh, because for a minute it looked a little bit dodgy uh, running the ball against Purdue until the the last half, the second half, and so it, it's going to be you know it's it, it's imperative that 
they get that short up so that they can – I think Michigan is going to want to obviously run the ball, but there are sometimes where they're going to need to pass to be able to run the ball, uh, not not as much vice versa. So that's uh, that's something that, that I would imagine is probably a very big, big focus of this team this week. Yeah, hard to argue that one. Steve, I, 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 I mean, I'm sure we would all say – the offensive line for for any of these sorts of questions, but uh, anyone else, maybe maybe specifically a player uh, that you think this this is a pivotal two weeks for them. I don't. I'm not not really. Uh, outside of who's already been mentioned, I think uh, you know maybe. Well, John O'Corn, right? I mean, yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, if he's going to be a starter, yeah, it's a it's a big right big two right. weeks. So. I guess he'd probably be the natural, like defensively. Who do you pick out defensively? You know, it's like I, for me, I think it's more like, hey, they get a week of rest, and then Michigan State has to play a, a smash mouth team in Iowa, you know, and then now and then they have to go to Ann Arbor and take on, you know, what, what's looked like so far again to be the best defense in the country, probably along with Alabama, you know, as usual. So, uh, you know, and defensively, it's more just, yeah, those guys just need some rest. I mean, Chase Winovich played every snap against Purdue, right? So probably an important, maybe important week for him uh, to get that rest in and, uh, you know, as, as high of a level as he's been playing at. So, uh, yeah, I guess O'Corn would be the guy outside of, yeah, Ulysio and then, uh, the, yeah, the running backs and pass protection, which, yeah, was uh, painfully obvious, you know, against Purdue that they were struggling in that regard. Yeah, so, yeah, I tend to agree. Choices. The the only one I would add, and I mean, you know, we we've seen how it's been with receivers. It's not like they're. I don't think they plan on having one guy elevate themselves. And we've probably talked about him more than more than we need to. But you know, Donovan Peoples Jones. You know, and and we heard Braylon Edwards in the off season mention that it's going to be a few games. You know, before Peoples Jones really has his impact, because you know, I think Steve and I have joked about this in the press box. He might have had to call his first ever fair catch, you know, and if it if it wasn't, it's it was such a rare thing for him. And, you know, he he was able to thrive so much on talent um, for so long. And now, you know, it's not like he's just going to outrun and outjump everybody. He might outrun and outjump a few people. But this is I think this is a big week for him because he's got he has game film under his belt. He has good and bad. You know, he has things that he can look at. Uh, there's a path for him. And then if if he is you know building this rapport or anybody it doesn't have to just be Donovan but any any of the receivers that are building a strong rapport with John O'Corn you know they could come out and and end up being the number one or number two receiver uh, the rest of the season I mean we don't know exactly how the quarterback situation is going to shake out both from an injury and performance standpoint but. You know, if, if O'Corn is is going to take the job and run with it, and you know, if he if he does what he needs to do, suddenly the receivers have an opportunity to get more snaps, get more targets, be a bigger part of the offense. So I'd say Peoples Jones, just because I think I think that was always kind of the plan was that he probably needed a few games. Whether the coaches said that or not is, is a different discussion. But you know, we've seen Detroit, you know, really talented players from from Detroit and from other areas as well where it might take a couple games. Uh, so that he'd be my, I think, I think it could be the most beneficial for him looking at the team. And we talked about the, the pass protection. Uh, what, what else? And if there isn't anything else, 
you know, that's that's fine. But what else can be done during this bye week uh, as a team that probably needs to be, maybe doesn't need to be shored up? I mean, like the defense, we talked about they need rest. Uh, but is there anything else that that this bye week is should be on Michigan's agenda? Uh, Isaiah, you can go first. Uh, well, I know that they they spend a lot of time with the younger players, kind of getting, kind of working to develop a bit of the depth. And I think that's a that's a pretty good idea, just to be able to to you know continue to to get these guys that are new uh, a bit more experienced. So. I, you know, see, seeing guys like Ambry Thomas get more time in the in the defensive backfield uh, throughout the uh, you know throughout the next you know throughout the next uh, this, this two week period, that, I think that can be critical just for the sake of just getting the, a guy even like him even more ready to be able to be involved in crucial game situations, especially especially Ambry because he's a guy that they really are very high on. He's a guy that has probably more potential than any of the other uh any of the other defensive backs weirdly despite Wilbert Hill looking like Jordan Lewis 2.0 and David Long and Brandon Watson having a solid platoon on the other side uh getting guys like them up to speed and then on top of that you know we're seeing a lot of these younger guys get get you know a little bit of time but not a ton like we finally saw Kareem Walker get a couple carries at the end of the Purdue game uh, I think it's it's critical for them to be able to get him even more involved, uh, especially because they haven't had a guy that can hit the hole the way he does. We've already seen where he could have been beneficial uh, in previous games, considering look at that Air Force game and Ty Isaac uh, gets the ball and he's got a hole right in front of him, needs a yard to gain, but instead of just hitting it, he kind of dances and gets tackled at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, yeah. Getting getting players that have the potential to make an impact, but haven't seen as much game time. Uh, that you know, I know that's what they're what they're trying to do in a week like this, and that's I think what what is probably the best because it prepares them for the latter half of the schedule. It's more than half. You know, they have eight games left in the regular season, so it's uh, getting them as ready as possible, treating it like another week of fall camp, with, and kind of pulling out maybe some of the players that our foregone conclusions to having, you know, pivotal roles and getting those guys a little bit more experience is key. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Steve mentioned Chase Winovich playing every snap might might be beneficial. I mean, you know, Chase Winovich is looking like a freak of nature right now, but might be beneficial to, you know, get some of that some of that second-string defensive line involved because, you know, last season they were able to do it when they were up 35, I don't see too many games on the schedule, even before the season. We mentioned this. Probably not going to be six or seven blowouts like last season. It's probably going to be more, you know, 15-point wins in, in the good wins and even closer in, in some of the some of the other ones. Steve, uh, anything anything else to add as far as what Michigan should be keeping an eye on or, or trying to do in this bye week? Uh, I think Isaiah hit the, hit the whatever, how you'd use that phrase about hitting the nail on a head. Yep, that's, um, that's the phrase. <laughs> yeah. Um, building, yeah, getting more depth, even up, up in the trenches. Like we just talked about, Winovich played every snap against Purdue. I, I'm assuming that at the beginning of the season, they probably would not have thought that would be the case. Or wanted it to be the case. Right, exactly, especially in that weather. Um, so getting those guys, getting the, the second 
second unit defensive linemen, getting those guys more acclimated. Uh, you know, I think of Aubrey Solomon, who actually you flip on the game against yeah. Purdue, he looked pretty disruptive when he was in there. Uh, you know, Carlo Kemp and, and those guys, uh, getting them not more up to speed, uh, but just you know, getting them more maybe some more game type situations or, or whatever, because those are guys they're going to need mm-hmm. uh, when you play Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan State and Ohio State, obviously. So uh, I, I think in that regard, yeah, not so much as far as the youth necessarily, as much as just getting your second unit, which are youthful just because of the way Michigan's roster is currently built, uh, but just getting those guys more acclimated because, you know, the ultimate wild card. You never know if there's in, when an injury is going to pop up. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good time in the season. I think Michigan State is a a nice – combination of challenge and just you know just going to be an intense matchup is a great mm-hmm. way for these guys to come out of the bye week so uh and for those younger players too or or the you know the second unit type guys so i think in that regard too probably pretty important probably should have mentioned that in the first place yeah yeah and i i realized it this week is aubrey solomon's probably on my list of who this is most important for because we saw he had a lot of snaps he had a lot of as you said, disruption. Uh, he made it into my f- film review story, and I'm not necessarily always watching backup players, but this could be a big week for him to assert himself. And so, so we mentioned the offensive line and, and some of the the pitfalls in the past disruption. We got a question from Blue Jay Chip. Just my naked, untrained eye opinion here, uh, but Runyon looks better at RT than Ulysio. Any chance we get a more athletic here with the number of stunts and blitzes to be picked up? and have Runyon start and Ulysio relieve. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Runyon's rotating with Anwenu at guard, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, He's okay. practicing exclusively there right now. Yeah. And so so I guess, you know, maybe maybe Chip missed something there. I But I do agree with his overall sentiment. Runyon has looked pretty capable. Ulysio uh, certainly, I mean... He's held his own at times, but there have been a lot of mistakes that that he's made. And I think, I think teams with you know fiercer linebackers and maybe stronger ends are starting to key in on on this uh, on that right side of the line. And you know we mentioned players can improve in this week, but so can personnel. I mean, this is a week where, I mean, we'll see what, how Michigan approaches it. But technically, you could try someone out at new positions or try out new starting lineups. You don't necessarily have to stick with everything. You actually have time to tweak things and try things. So my question will be, uh, you can you can go off Blue Jay Chip's statement and, and have Runyon in more. Uh, but my question is going to be roughly, what what would you do with this offensive line right now? Obviously, you could keep it the same and try to develop what you have. You could rotate... Caesar Ruiz and, and John Runyon in more or even add other people or you can move people around because someone tweeted at me uh, I think it was it was Pug Life tweeted at me and, and noted you know what if you moved Ben Bredesen to right tackle put Runyon at left guard and then maybe it's Ulysio and Ruiz that are shifting in and out and that actually I mean we talked about it before the show that might be worth looking into because we've seen Bredesen, I mean, he was a tackle in high school, uh, and and we've seen kind of how Runyon looks at guard, and and we've seen the various personnel. Uh, we'll start with Steve this time, but I'm curious, you know, it, 
what what sort of things would you be say you could try things out and and you know not have any margin or not have any repercussions for it but if you're the offensive line coach what sort of things are you trying out this week uh to try to shore this up i you know i i think that when he's been in i think that runyon has looked pretty effective uh so i'm i wouldn't be against again i mean you know to throw a throw a different group out there or throw a couple different you know shift things around a little bit there's nothing permanent about any of this it's just try it out and see what happens uh you know i wouldn't be averse to giving runyon a shot you know ben yeah ben's a guy that they could pretty much play anywhere right so he's a lot like cole that he's a guy you could play at tackle or play at guard um yep you know i know he's played but i mean he's played guard both years so far but I think Mason played his first two years at left tackle, if I remember right. So uh, he did, yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, right. You know, they can both and, play and, everything. Yeah, I agree. Right, and his move to center was out of necessity. Coles was not because he wasn't playing at a high level at left tackle. So, and I think Bradison's a guy who I don't think he's kind of he hasn't shown a Cole like ability yet. I think he's shown it in flashes, but I don't think he's quite what Cole was at this point in his career uh, or at that point in his career when, when Mason was in his second season. But I do think he's effective enough to where, you know, I wouldn't be averse to giving running a shot on the interior um, on when who just won offensive lineman of the week, according to the staff, I don't think his playing to playing time is going to go anywhere. Uh, you know, to move Ben to the outside, give it a try and, and put running in at guard. You know, I could, you know, they haven't had the answers yet. You know, the offensive Correct, line, yeah. right? So, there, I, you know, as far as, you know, if it was up to me, you know, who am I? But trying something like that, I, I wouldn't be averse to doing something like that. At least giving it a try, see how it works. Isaiah, what do you think about it? And you can, and if you do, if you have another idea, I'm uh, curious about that too. But, you know, if you have that opportunity to tweak things and, and try things out as Michigan does, what what sort of solutions or possible solutions would you be testing out? Well, this is exactly what they did last year at the, in the buy. Remember, you know, last year they, you know, you had Grant Newsom get hurt in the Wisconsin game in Week Five, and they brought in Juwan Bushel Beatty. Bushel Beatty started against Rutgers, and then they had the bye week, and then out come in Week Six, or sorry, Week Eight against Illinois, we saw a new formation that lasted the rest of the year, and. Having, uh, you know, having Braden and uh, Bredesen out there on the left side. So, if if they're going to do make a move and try to shore some things up, you know, and try to work with some personnel changes, this is the week that they're going to do it. I think that that's not a bad idea. I, it's I don't I don't know that they want to give up on Ulysio quite yet as being the starter there. But it like we we've said time and time again already, it's it's clear that what they're doing isn't working. And that's the, for as much hate as the quarterback situation's been tending to get, that's the biggest issue on this, that's faced this team thus far has been that right side of the line. So it's a, it's a good opportunity for them to be able to, to see, see what they have, see who's, who's learned the most in this time frame. I think, like Steve said, it's running shown you some things and, you know, it might, it might be a beneficial situation to, just kind of move some guys around and try out something new and see how it works. 
All right, gotta. I want to toss a quick question to you guys because you know we've talked about the things that need to be tweaked. Um, but what I want to hear, you can either do we'll we'll do top three players so far, and also the biggest surprise. You know, so they may overlap, they may be the same. Isaiah, I know I didn't give you a ton of time to think about it, but uh, I'll toss it to you first. Your top three players and your biggest surprise so far. Uh, number one is going to be uh, Devin Bush. I mean, the guy's just been a force, uh, absolute force, uh, pretty much unstoppable. Don Brown had mentioned on Monday when we had him briefly about how they were getting burned on the tunnel screens, and they saw that uh, you know, Bush saw an opportunity and made a shift to uh, Mike McCray, with Mike McCray. They stayed in the same, same formation defensively but switched players. And because of that, Devin Bush ran the tight end out of bounds, and Mike McCray got a 12-yard sack, keeping Purdue from doing what they wanted to do. I think that he's been—he's just been an absolute dynamo at the at the middle linebacker position. Number two, I, I think a lot of people would obviously say Chase Winovich because of his production, but I'm going to go with Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, I think, has made that all entirely possible. He's been. Absolutely disruptive, commanding double teams, triple teams, just absolutely annihilating every, everything. And it's opened up the, the opportunity for Chase to get there on the end because they, they've had to, they've had to they, you know, focus so much on Gary that Chase has had the opportunities there. If teams are, start to do what they've done to Gary on Chase Winovich, then you'll start seeing the same numbers from Rashawn. Uh, number three, offensively, uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm actually gonna go with Sean McCune, uh, who's also mm-hmm. gonna be my surprise. I'm gonna combine those two. Uh, I'm not terribly surprised that he's had a had a pretty big, you know, pretty good start, considering everything we'd heard in the off season. Uh, all the tight ends when we talked to him during the camp circuit, it said that he was the most complete tight end, and yeah. Tyrone Wheatley said that he was the that he he had the best mechanics of any tight end he's ever seen to that point and keep in mind that he had worked with Jake Butt and he's kind of we finally saw a, a game in which he kind of had a very similar a similar effect to what Jake Butt had so I I think that he you know he's been a big surprise and he's been he's been a good outlet for this team even though if he's just getting going yeah I I would I would tend to agree uh, especially I mean it's hard to hard to say anyone but Devin Bush at number one a little surprised Rashawn Gary got the nod over Chase, but uh, sir, I, I do agree. He's been a monster. I think he has set up that defensive line for a success. Steve, uh, your top three, and then your biggest surprise so far. Uh, <clears throat> I'll go in reverse. I'll start at number three and then move down to number one to create some build dramatic. build suspense. That would be nice. Yep. <laughs> uh, number three to me is Devin Bush. Uh, he's built to play in a Don Brown defense. You know, it's he's the fastest linebacker I think Michigan's had in years. He really has that Ian Gold uh, type play uh, where he's just so fast for his size. I'm just more, you know, it's less about the attack part of his game. I'm more impressed with just his ability to diagnose a football play on a consistent basis and then make the right decision and do it so quickly. Uh, so I guess quickness is part of it, but it's more about his his. Uh, what's upstairs, uh, you know, from his standpoint. So he's number three for me. Number two is Ty Isaac. Uh, 
you know, what a resurgence, I guess, or I don't know if maybe just a surgence, I guess, not a resurgence, just sort of a well, surgence. I mean, he's closing in on a career high for yards in a season and he's four games in. Right. So yeah, we'll just call it a surgence. Yeah. Um, which I don't even think is a word, but, uh, you know, I think he's been, you know, he hasn't been perfect. I mean, he still shows a few of the, you know, some of the stuff that he's kind of battled in the past. I think he, some instances he goes down a little bit too easily. Uh, I could still, I could actually still see Evans being the guy leading the team in rushing by the end of the season. But I think to this point, um, Isaac's play is, I mean, think about, you know, what would his numbers be right now? If not for, you know, a toenail out of bounds and a terrible hole. Yeah, he'd have a hundred, he'd have a hundred more. Right. You if know, you, there so, was another penalty in, in week two, I believe that right, also yeah, set him back. Said a few, few called back. So, I mean, he's, really uh been been awesome for them uh so far running the football and uh you know so i think that's him numero uno for me surprisingly nobody's mentioned mo hurst uh he's that he's eating as much space as anybody is right now uh, you know a defensive tackle i think we saw it more more against florida we did see a lot of it against purdue though too is you know how many defensive tackles can move laterally uh sideline to sideline like he chases down screenplays like (laughs) right i mean it's just uh yeah man i mean he's been so great for them and and you know i think a lot of michigan's success at linebacker too has been you know we talk about chase winovich kind of the guy that's benefited from from mo and and from gary getting a lot of attention but what about the linebackers i mean there are gaps for those guys to attack both in the running game and in the you know when, when the other team is dropping back to pass. So I think Moe's been a big space eater for them. I think it's why they haven't really had to play their backups a ton yet. I, like I said, we'll see we'll see more Aubrey Solomon, I'm sure. Uh, I know Michael du- Michael Dwumford did play a few snaps against Purdue, um, but you know I, I just I think Moe is kind of the heart and soul of that defense. But He's also like maybe the most talented player there, except probably I'd say Gary, probably the most pure talent. But, uh, you know, he's heart and soul, I think, is kind of a, I don't know, usually it's a phrase for a guy that just like is has a motor, works really hard. But he like is just really, really good too, though. So um, I guess Mo would be my number one. I think he's been awesome. I think he's definitely an All-American candidate. Okay. You know, I mean, there are, no. there are other, yeah. I was going to say to that note, how amazing has it been that those three guys have played as well as they have in mostly three down, you know, three man fronts, being able to create the kind of havoc that's not supposed to really happen in a three man front the way it has. Yeah, how about the bye week maybe being big for Brian Monet too? Because I'm assuming we'll see more of him on next Saturday against Michigan State. Kind of forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, that also speaks to how good the the other three have been. My top three, uh, my number three is actually. Quinn Nordeen, I, I think. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of a debate versus on how much you value kicking. But you know, Harbaugh, I think I think this is his quote: "You need uh, between your defense, your quarterback, and your kicker, you need two of the three to be great to be a great team." Uh, and so far, Nordeen has allowed Michigan to to go through some quarterback. Cause we, you know, we talk about Michigan struggles scoring a touchdown in the red zone, but they are among the best teams in the country at scoring in the red zone because they have a guy who's basically automatic from 40 in might even be automatic from 50 in. we haven't seen him stretch it out too much, but he's, I mean, he's, he, he looks like an all big 10 kicker. He looks like a possibly an all American kicker in his first year 
Um, so he's actually been really impressive to me. I mean, I know he has those two misses, but those were kind of late in the game. You know, I, I think it was just a different... I don't look into them as much as I look into him being five for five, you know, in that in in what against Air Force and having f- two from 50 yards out against Florida. So he's he's actually been nine, my number three. I've got a lot of guys five through ten who are on the defensive line and stuff. But my number two, Chase Winovich. I I think I'm surprised neither of you had him in the top three. I guess I mean I know he does get set up for stuff, but he's also a freak at getting to the quarterback you know he's also on track to he might contend with with the big 10 sack record but he's definitely on track to break the michigan sack record uh as we mentioned a couple times in this podcast already he played every snap in a 90 degree game that ended up being closer than michigan probably wanted to be against purdue you know i mean i know michigan rotates its defensive linemen but it's really valuable i mean if you don't have necessarily a, a sure thing behind you i mean chase winovich just seems like i think he's got i think he's going to be one of the fan favorites this whole season because just how how relentless he is uh how ridiculously good at getting getting to into the backfield he is i think it's it's i mean he's third nationally in sacks and they haven't played the best offensive lines but that's still that's still a pretty pretty high number and my number one, just like Isaiah Devin Bush, I mean he, you know I think Mo Hurst will should be in the All American conversation by the end of the year, uh, even though those voters are probably going to look more at the numbers than necessarily what he does. But I think Devin Bush might be in that conversation as well. I think I mean he he's doing things. We talked about him. He when was le- who is the last linebacker that was on Bush's level? I mean I know Jabril Peppers was was a freak of nature but he, he i you know calling him a linebacker might understate his his safety tendencies I mean, that's where he's playing now but as far as a true linebacker devin bush is just he's so fast he hits so hard you know he finds gaps so well i mean him on on disguised blitzes it's just i mean i assume that that's exactly how every coach and defensive coordinator wants their linebackers to operate. You know, it seemed like a clinic to me. So he'd be my number one. Uh, but I I definitely think Hurst, Gary, I'm trying to think if there's Ty Isaac. I mean, it, Steve mentioned it. Ty Isaac's a couple plays away from being having 500 rushing yards and four touchdowns through four games. So certainly a lot of significant ones there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They've got eight more regular season games, and we're seeing players. Oh, my biggest surprise, probably the the lack of tight ends. Actually, I mean, I know I know McCune's been been a nice surprise, and Zach Gentry has done well. Uh, and I know, you know, sometimes injuries and other things come up. But I really thought Wilton Spate was going to be more reliant on the tight ends through four games. I thought, you know, and that, that unit just seemed so experienced and so savvy. I, I kind of expected them to be the the go-to offensive players. Now, I'm sure Michigan, you know, their play calling probably changed some of that. And Ty Isaac doing well and the receivers, getting used to the receivers was probably a focus in these first four games. But I, I guess I, I just kind of thought that they were going to have a little bit more of an impact. We saw them have a lot of an impact against Purdue. Nine targets, two leading receivers were tight ends. So we'll see if that continues. 
Anyways, that's going to do it for the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Uh, to read all of our stories about this week and next week and last week, go to michigan.247sports.com. Uh, have tons of stuff that will be coming up. Uh, we're going to we're gonna have great coverage for Michigan State Week. We're going to all be going full throttle. So that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, if you want to ask a question next time, go hop on our board. Uh, you know, join join that membership, and you can you can be a part of this discussion and part of a lot of discussions. But for Steve Lorenz and Isaiah Holt, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 podcast, and we'll see you next time.